Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Yes, hi, this is Joe Moss on a uh, wonderful Wednesday afternoon here in Atlanta. Uh, We're here to uh, talk about uh, small business. I'm the president of Embassy National Bank, and I'll be moderating the show, and uh, it is brought to you by Embassy National Bank. We're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to be interviewed about small business and some of the things to look for, uh, some of, some tips for success, and uh, some ideas that, that uh, may be helpful to you if you're thinking about either starting a new business or buying a small business or maybe buying out your partner. Um, so we're going to we're going to make it a little bit different today. My producers, Mike Salmon and Brandon Kiever, are going to be uh, hitting me with some questions. Um, and they've recently started businesses on their own. I know they've got questions on their own, but uh, we're also going to talk about a variety of topics. So hopefully it, it will be fun today is what we're trying to do, make it a real nice conversation and provide value at the same time. So hi, guys. How are you? Hello there, Joe. Hey, Joe. Now, now we know, you, of course, you're the president of Embassy National Bank. Yes, I am. And we know, of course, that you also host On the Money here on Business Radio X from yes, the Gwinnett Studio. So let me let our listeners know a little bit more about you since you are expert on small business. And we're going to be hitting you with some questions today. Good. Uh, first of all, Joe is, uh, of course, has a banking career of almost 40 years. He's given wings to the dreams of thousands of small business owners. Now, currently, as we talked about, you've served as president and board member of Embassy National Bank. It's a community bank based here in the Atlanta area, Lawrenceville to be exact, with almost $100 million in assets and that your bank's a leading lender to small businesses in the southeastern United States. Uh, every day, Joe, you pretty much experience and use your expertise to help small business owners uh, throughout the region so they can be better prepared for the fast-changing world that we live in. And today you're going to share some of your insights with our listeners. And so we appreciate that. Thank you. We, we, Thank we, you. we are turning the tables on you, as, yeah. as you said. I don't like that 40-year career thing in there. It kind of makes me sound old. You obviously, But start, it's true. You started when you were like eight years old, That's right? correct. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk small business today. And uh you know, today it seems like the, the economy and you don't know what's happening. And, and as you say, it's, it's a quick changing world. Why start a small business in, in these times? Well, any time anybody starts thinking about this, uh, what I try to tell them is that um, if you f- feel really passionate about wanting to break out on your own and start a small business, uh, for example, if you think it's uh, something on your bucket list, if you think you're really good at something, I always encourage people to do it. Um, I think it is a uh, it's a wonderful way to really find out um, what you're made of and to really fulfill your potential in this life because this may be something that you were born to do, and you're never gonna you're never gonna know that unless you just step out there and get it done. Uh, there's some certain things you got to be careful about, but uh, I, if someone wants to start a small business, I listen to them, and generally I encourage them to go forward. I, um, there is an incredible opportunity for both financial, but most importantly, intellectual freedom when you start your own business. Uh, it's a chance for you to go out there and see what you can do on your own. 
and um, it's pretty exciting. And, and I know, Joe, there's a lot of these mega businesses out there, the big businesses, but the backbone really of, of the United States is, is small businesses. Absolutely. If you look around and uh, look at your neighborhood and um, everywhere, you, you'll find that, uh, man, this, the economy really does run on small business. You know, small business being defined as sales less than, say, a million five a year, 50 or less employees. You know, for example, uh, we had a construction uh, company here. They're a small business. Uh, you guys are a small business. Small businesses everywhere, and um, it really is what makes our economy grow. People sometimes might be scared to try something on their own. Is, is should they be worried? Is I mean, there's 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 a lot of sharks in the water, and you just never know what's out there. But but. If, if they talk to the right people and they have the right counsel and they work with a bank like Embassy, I would think, uh, you know, you can help guide them a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that someone would be nervous about it. You know, if, if, uh, if you don't have that little queasy feeling in the pit of your stomach, uh, then you probably don't have the adrenaline going. And the adrenaline really makes you help you, helps you think straight, mm-hmm. um, makes you focus. Adrenaline's a wonderful drug. You know, it's self-induced. And um, so, yeah, I think you should be scared, a little scared. But, yeah, you absolutely need to look out and, uh, and get real good advice from people. How do you know when is the day to start that small business? Oh, if you man. do have that drilling going and, and you're on the edge and you're tired of working for somebody else, when do you make that move? Well, there, there's a lot of preliminary stuff that you've got to do. I would try to do as much as I possibly can while I'm still on the payroll of somebody else. Um, and that might mean, quite frankly, working a lot of nights. It might mean uh, working weekends, putting everything together, even so far as acquiring space, acquiring equipment, trying to put your capital together, uh, doing your incorporation, all those things. I would try to do as much as I can of that on someone else's payroll. And I'm not saying shortchanging your current employer, right? but I, I'm, I'm suggesting that um, going into small business, you better be ready to work overtime. So this is going to be a real good time to determine you're going to have to be multi-task oriented. Uh, you're going to have to be able to bounce a bunch of balls at one time. So by trying to put as much of it together as you can before you pull the trigger, it's probably a good exercise for you. Mm. If I were to ask you the question, and you may have just uh, partially answered it, what do I do to get started? You kind of answered part of it right there. Yeah, the um, typically a small business gets started because someone's really passionate about something or they're really good at something. Um, and they think, I can do this on my own. Or they may have a really, really good idea. Um, so... Um, you know, what you got to do is you kind of look around and, and get that idea out there or get that concept out there and then start your own personal kind of validation of it. And you can do that by looking around you, uh, seeing what products that you buy and what businesses you deal with, and uh, also uh, get on the Internet and, and research and, and figure out of this area that you want to go into. Is it successful? What is the probability of failure? Um and uh, just let that idea kind of ferment before you um, before you go too far. But then at some point, you're going to have to start putting together a business plan. You're going to have to figure out what it's really going to take if I want to try to make this successful. 
We're talking about starting a business. But what about buying an existing business that's already up and running? You know, that is if um, that's something I would always encourage somebody to do um, is to look around and see what's available. The one thing about buying an existing business is that you've more than likely you already have a revenue stream being generated. Um, You've got customers. You've got a name. um, And. In some cases, uh, you you're not paying. Re- you're not you know when you start a business, you're definitely what I would call paying retail. Uh, but when you buy an existing business, there's a chance you can get a little bit of a discount on what the true value is. So, you know, buying an existing business is is probably if it's situated within an area that you want to be in and you feel like you can mold it the way you want to mold it, is probably the better way to go, depending on the circumstance. There's obviously the opportunities to, 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 to buy a franchise. What, what about franchising? Um, for the most part, franchises are good. Franchises are good. Um, you gotta have I would, some, you got to have some money up front, though, for yeah, most of these. I, w- I, I would say that franchising has gotten better. A lot better than it used to be, I know. Because cause you don't uh, have to reinvent the wheel, too. Yeah, and, you know, like 30 years ago, people could sell a franchise on a wing and a prayer. And, uh, you know, you had to give them five grand and then they disappear. Um, now, um, I'm not a big government guy, but there are government regulations now that where a franchise has got to put together a pretty thick offering circular. I forgot what the actual name of it is. But that franch- that's going to detail a lot of success and failure associated with that franchise. And if it's a good franchise, they're going to have a track record, and they're going to have a ton of knowledge associated with that business that they can impart to you. Not only that, the worst thing that can happen to a franchisor is to have a franchisee fail because mm-hmm. that really hurts their reputation, and it's also something that they've got to disclose in the future in terms of their wins and, and their wins and losses to additional prospective uh, franchisees. We're speaking today with Joe Moss, president of Embassy National Bank, uh, sponsoring On The Money, uh, talking about small business. Joe, when you're talking about buying a franchise, how do you know if you fit into the franchise mold versus really independent spirit and an independent entrepreneur? That's a really good question. I think um, it really depends on what you're trying to do. if you're trying to go out and think you can make a pretty good living making sandwiches, um, look around a little bit. Mm. Um, boy, there's a whole lot of advertising that gets done for some of these businesses. And look around and see the support some of the franchises get. But at the same time, look around and find out how many independent sandwich shops actually make it. Mm. Uh, same thing if you're any kind of food, any kind of yogurt, anything like that. Um, so it, in, in that particular situation, I would be very prone to, to, to do a franchise, but if you've got something that, that is really pretty unique, um, don't have a real good example, but, uh, right off top of my head, but if it's truly unique, you're going to have to go and do it on your own. Um, again, you're. You're going to have to be putting some uh, acorns away for advertising because one thing a franchisor does provide you. Uh, you're going to have to understand operationally how you're going to run that business and make sure that everything's in place to do that. Um, but if you've got something that's kind of a vanilla idea, 
like you think I make the very best pizza. Um, I don't know that I would run off and start a brand new pizza place. What I try to do is look into a franchise and um, maybe there's a, a, a version of their pizza that I can add to my menu or something like that. So a lot of it relates to with, with your personality. If you feel like you want to have more structure and people around you that you can work with, a franchise may be the way to go. If you're more of an independent business person and you're, you'd be more on an island, if you will, if you kind of went into your own business. That's correct. That's so correct. you don't maybe have the support system. Yeah. And uh, there's maybe some more pitfalls as well. Right. You know, something like a restaurant, you know, um, or a bakery or something like that would have, um, uh, those lend themselves to independence because you probably have this unique dream about what you're trying to build. So you don't want to go buy a Chili's franchise or something like that unless uh, if, if you're trying to be the next best French restaurant, you know. So um, the, the franchise can help if you're if you do need support and if your idea is not that necessarily unique. You mentioned restaurants, Joe. Are, are there certain industries or businesses that you need to kind of be careful about? Yeah, yeah. Um, food service, right across the board. Food service. Um, gosh, well, you look around. How many of your restaurants out there open and fold? And and you scratch your head and you look around and you go, Oh my gosh, these people probably put a half a million dollars into it. You know, and it's a uh, it's a husband and wife. They probably didn't have it to put into it. And I mean, it's it's sad. It's sad. But you see others that hit. I don't know. I don't think even if you ask a restaurant tour, what majors hit? I don't know that he can necessarily tell you exactly. And then you find, walk into a restaurant you think is really good food, and the next day it's not open. <laughs> so um, food service, um, car washes are tough. Um, like I said, anything um, uh, food stuffs like. Uh, Yogurt, you know, they they come and go. Latest fads. Um, there are these places that, that they're cupcake shops and cupcake stores. I'm like, do they sell enough cupcakes to cover all the overhead? I, I don't know, even know how they survive. What do they make? Maybe a nickel a cupcake? I mean, that's got to be slim margins. Well, one of the things that I did want to talk about is is uh, once you have your little dream, you got to back up and you got to take. I just I want to tell people take the emotion out of it. Mm. You got to now become factual. You got to be almost question your judgment in terms of why the heck do I want to do this and put some numbers on a piece of paper. Brandon, you bring up a good point. How many cupcakes can I realistically sell and what's it going to cost me to make the cupcake? And I've got equipment, I've got ovens, I've got flour, I got sugar, I got butter, I got, uh, you know, Cupcake holders but, and you may employees. And you, you may you may make the best cupcakes in the world, but you still got to understand customer service. You got to understand marketing and advertising, and so it, there's so many layers to being yeah. a successful small business owner. Right, and then you know, get in your car and drive into Dunkin' Donuts and look at their cupcakes. Am I going to be a whole lot better than those? I don't know. Now we don't want to discourage people, no. of course, that that are looking at maybe having their dream and, and having their own business. If you do have that unique idea, whatever that uniqueness may be, are, are there ways to protect yourself? Do you need to protect yourself? Yeah, there absolutely. I think going back to the business plan is 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 uh, looking at looking at the idea very very objectively and not being afraid to walk away from it. Um, make sure there's enough profit in there to make yourself make it worthwhile. 
when you do the business plan and you look at the financial projections, it's also going to tell you how much money am I going to have to spend before I break even. Now, what that means is that you're going to have money up for maybe a down payment on a, on space. You got to you got to spend money on equipment and furniture and things like that. So you have an initial downstroke. But you also have to look to figure out how much is it going to cost me until I break even. You know, you may have something that says, well, I can get started for $100,000. Yeah, but until you break even, that may be another hundred grand out the door. You've got to be ready to fund $200,000. So look at it objectively. And then what I typically do is say, okay, you think it's going to take two hundred from start to finish to break even. Um, double it. And then you say $400,000, golly, I thought maybe I could get into the cupcake business for 20 grand. Well, maybe not. So that's why it's very important to sit down, put out the numbers, um, look objectively at it. And the other thing I tell people is, is, uh, make sure if it's that it's, you know, I know you like to do it. I know you think you do the best and you probably sell some cupcakes in the neighborhood or you send them to school and, Everybody says, oh, man, you sell great cupcakes. Well, maybe it's best to consider it a hobby right. and not a business. Maybe it's better. Maybe you're going to find more happiness. Maybe you really find more happiness in making a little bit of cupcakes for smiling faces. And if you get into business, it's going to add a business element to it, which might, quite frankly, take a lot of fun out of it. So there may be strengths that are best left in the hobby phase. Good example. I write songs and produce music in my off hours whenever I get a creative bone. And um, I've often thought, well, I could do that. Well, you know, I looked around and I thought, oh, my gosh, how many people produce and write songs? I mean, millions. I mean, and how do you get paid for it anymore? You don't. People sell money. You know, people get music for free. Um, and so I've thought, well, and then I started kind of getting on the business side, and then all of a sudden it took all the fun out of it. So what I've realized is it's a hobby, Joe. It's what you do to relax. Keep it that way because if you try to make it anything else, it's not going to be fun anymore. And then what are you going to do to try to relax? You've lost your number one item. And, and something that exists today that didn't exist many years ago, and that is the Internet that maybe, you know, if you want to make it a business, maybe you do an online business where you don't have all the overhead. Yeah, that's true. You can do it. And I think it's a great way to, uh, you know, if as part of the startup before you make the decision to actually flip the switch, you can you can create a Facebook page within hours and um, put the idea out there. See how many likes you get. Um, you can go on LinkedIn spread the idea you can get a lot of social media going uh prior to and then um and then try to incorporate that whole internet marketing concept and sales into the business plan we're talking about small business uh and small business startups here with joe moss the uh, president of embassy bank here on on the money on business radio x and you you brought up uh you opened Pandora's box here. Let's uh, let's address the, the the big white elephant I guess in the room and that is financing now. You talked about money. What are some options as far as financing if you want to start your own business? Well, uh, there are a lot of options out there. Some good, some not so good. Um the options have expanded recently. Um there are, 
obviously one of the things you can do is just try to save up enough money to support your to to get through it. Well, it's not if you, if you got something that realistically you're going to need capital of of 200,000 or 400,000 to get you through the break even stage, that's probably not something you can just save over a 6 month period. So you're going to have to look at maybe uh borrowing it. Uh we've talked on this program about SBA loans. Um, we've talked, uh, but you know, one of the things you have to look at when you're starting a small business is I, I know you're, I know people go in there thinking, oh, I'm going to be successful. This is going to be fun. Yeah. But look at the statistics. There is a pretty good chance that you will not be successful despite how good you are, despite how much work you put into it. If you look at the statistics, the statistics on small business failure, it's high. So therefore you've got to again, back up and say, what happens if this doesn't work? Cause, cause the, the odds say that you are going to fail as opposed to saying that you will be successful. That's correct. Despite anything that you do, you might end up, it may not work or it may be marginally successful, which means that you've got to go spend some time somewhere else to get a part-time job to support your income and your family. So you know, there's a there. You got to look at what happens if I hate to say it, but you got to look at the failure option. And if you borrow money from a bank, um, a, a banker, either SBA or whatever, they're going to want uh, as much collateral as they can. They're going to want probably a second lien on your house. Um, they're probably going to want, um, uh, and I know they're going to want a personal guarantee. Um, they're going to look at taking as much collateral as they can in addition to whatever they have in the business. And let me tell you something. If that deal goes south, it can become a nightmare, meaning um, they can pursue your personal guarantee. In other words, they can say, hey, you owe us two hundred grand, and by gosh, you're going to pay it. They can come take your house. I mean, the downside of borrowing money is huge. It's scary. So, I would not capitalize entirely a business with borrowed money. I'd try to, I'd, I'd look at your uh, investment, your IRA and, and 401k money. There is, if, if you still have some of that, um, there are some new rules that allow you to invest some of that in, into, uh, into a small business. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket, but I would certainly utilize some of that. Uh, there are new internet uh, sources out there. For example, Kickstarter. As a result of the Small Business Act that went out, uh, raising money among uh, um, uh, for a small business is a little bit easier in terms of all the restrictions that are regulations that are out there. Um, so I would really explore that. Now, friends and family, there's another good option. But unless you really, really have to, I would not actually borrow institutionally to do the business. Um unless you're really sure that you can pay it back. Now, if you're uh, buying an existing business and you know there's revenue and there's cash flow, then maybe you can go out and uh, and borrow money and let that business pay it back. But if you're truly just starting out, I'd be real careful about uh, about borrowing money. Well, let's take a small business. Maybe you're, you're two years in the cycle. You've got a couple years of, of revenue, maybe a year of some sustained revenue, and, and you're at a point where – um, where I am on my with my production house, that you're starting to bid on larger jobs 
and you've not been there yet. But in order to get there, you've got to have some type of capital to be able to cover payroll and to cover uh, the necessary equipment to fulfill those jobs. When do you make the decision of now's the time that I, okay, I need to sit down and look at borrowing money. And then the the question that, that I've been weighing now is when do you look at personally guaranteeing that versus putting the loan through the business's tax ID? Well, if you put the loan, you want to put the loan in the name of the business, if that's the way you decide to go. But okay. um, just count on having to personally guarantee it. Okay. And that's just an additional level of collateral uh, for the for whoever you borrow the money from. Now, if it's a family or, or friends or whatever, they may not require that. But um, I would avoid having to put up a personal guarantee, but you probably have to do that. Now, when do you pull the trigger on that? Well, you know, obviously, in a, in a small business, I think you've got to surround yourself with some pretty good people, you know, whether you call it a, a board or a, an advisory group. But I think in, in that situation, I would grab some of the people that you've done work with before and bounce that idea off of them. Um, if they believe that uh, you truly do really good work and technically you are um, able to, to create a great product, let's just, uh, as I'm assuming is the case with you, um, at some point you just, I hate to say, it's got to roll the dice. I mean, at some point right. you got to say, Am I good at this or not? Um, can I can I take this product to the next level? And now, if you've got current customers that think you can, then I think it is time. Well, from the banker's perspective, what are you looking for? So I'm I'm the 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 younger. For those that don't know the big, tall, good-looking guy, I'm, I'm 32, and I've had a had my hands in a few businesses, bought and sold some agencies, and I'm at a point now at the production house where. Uh, what are you looking for in that entrepreneur, in that small business owner, and from that business to say they're good enough to to secure funding? We're, we're going to back this. Well, I want to see skin in the game. Okay. I want to know, and what that means is I want to know that this guy is completely 120% committed to make this business work. This isn't just some uh, pie-in-the-sky dream. Right. Um, I'm also going to want to know a current revenue flow. I'm also going to want to you – know, probably I would be shown projections of possible revenue, but I'd like to see a lot of support for that. Support meaning that maybe you go to a larger client and say, um, you know, here, here's what I'd like to do for you, and would if I did it at this price with this quality, would you be comfortable? And if I could – I would try to get some confirmation behind some of these projections with – with uh, you know real live um, discussion with potential clients. Okay, Joe. Let me uh, touch upon a couple points. First of all, a few minutes ago you mentioned SBA lending. You did a show a few weeks ago on that. So for those that are listening to now, if you want to find out more specifics about SBA lending, go to the On the Money show that was uh, uploaded on March twelfth of two thousand fourteen. It's onthemoney.businessradiox.com and go to the March twelfth show, and that's a good show to listen to to find out more about SBA lending. Yeah, we had a, a gentleman by the name of Bobby Goff was on air. And uh, he's been around SBA for 30-something years. And I know that SBA has a lot of new programs for small business. Now, you've been in, and we talked about this top of the show, you've been in the banking business, your career, for almost 40 years now. Uh, of course, currently with Embassy National Bank. So you've seen it all. 
I'm not sure if this is a fair question to ask, but let's say you have somebody that applies for a small business loan or that you're looking to back and, and they bring you everything you've asked for. And you're like, okay, uh, they can afford to do this, but you might not think it's a good idea, or maybe they're just getting some money from you and they're, they're pulling money out of their 401k and they're pulling money out of their house and so forth. Is there any ethical or moral obligation by the bank or the lender to say, Hey, you, you might not want to do this or you might want to reconsider. Well, yes. And in, um, I see my role, you know, in most businesses, 99% of them, the, the rule is the customer is always right. Um, well in banking, no, not necessarily. <laughs> and if they're not right, it can cost everybody a lot of money. So, um, uh, I use an expression that sometimes we're trying to protect the, the borrower from themselves. Hmm. So, yeah, I think we do have an obligation. I really do to say, wait a minute. Um, be careful here. Be careful here. Um, for example, when I was back in uh, doing all the real estate workout during the uh, um, 08, 09, 010, um, I was foreclosing on a lot of, I didn't, by the way, so, you know, I didn't foreclose on anybody's house. I didn't put anybody on the street. I did foreclose on um, some uh, shopping centers and some uh, uh, commercial property. And I used the expression, uh, put them out of their misery foreclosure. Because and my, my thought there was a borrower is done. They should never have gotten into this in the first place. They're killing themselves trying to support it. Someone needs to just say no. And you, you got to do that on the front end of things and poss potentially on the back end of things. So absolutely, I think the banker has an obligation to really lend some advice and keep someone out of out of their own trouble. But I'm sure there's some success stories as well, because, again, our our, 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 our our hopes for this show is not to talk anybody out of going after their dreams, but just to ask questions, know what you're getting into and be educated. And, and, and listening to the show may be may be the first step. I'm sure there have been some times or some businesses where you've helped them get them going, because as we talked about earlier, you've helped a lot of uh, business owners get their goals that maybe at first you thought, I'm not sure if this is going to work. But by determination and, and hard work and enthusiasm, they made it work. Are, are there any stories that you might be able to share? Yeah, most recently I've seen um, a, a group of uh, young folks. Um, I call them young. They're in their 30s. Sorry, Brandon. But um, they, <laughs> All right. they came to us, and there was a beat-up, um, broken-down um, small hotel out on the east part of Atlanta, and they wanted to buy it. And, um, and I thought it may not work, but they had, they, the, the business they bought had revenues at the time of about $300,000. It needed a whole lot of work, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of work. Um, they were able to buy it for about 300,000. Um, so, you know, they're looking at it, maybe half a million dollars going into it. And then, you know, and what else is going to show up after they touch it? Well, you know, these these young folks have got the thing gener generating revenue of close to a million dollars a year now. So it does happen. It really does. And where you see it work is that um, where you see it work is that, that people really know what they're getting involved with. They and not only do they understand, they understand the business. These these folks had worked in hotels before. 
they've run the front desk, they've cleaned the rooms, they've, they've changed the beds, they've worked on customer complaints, they knew the business backwards and forwards um, because they had worked in it, and they knew they could do better. Um, so another thing I tell people is that if they want to try to, to uh, go into something, that they need to, to, for example, open up a coffee shop. Well, Starbucks is charging four bucks a coffee. Well, go work at Starbucks for a little bit. Go work for them. Learn the business. Um, find out if you want to do that. Uh, find out if you want to be in the coffee business. Find out about the, the mistakes Starbucks has made, the wins that they've made, how they're successful. Um, you know, that's, a, that's an example. But um, and I don't think there is any uh, any uh, um excuse for not really understanding the business that you're about ready to get into. Well, let's say you, you're in a business and uh, Mike and I here at the station have a, a partnership, an LLC separate for this station. But say we get way down the road because Mike is a young man and I decide, all right, you know, it's time for Mike to ride off to the Bahamas into the sunset and I need to buy my partner out. What are some of the decisions and questions that I need to go through in making that transition? Well, you've got to uh, early on, I think it's important for partners to have that discussion much sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, so almost have an exit strategy at the beginning. Absolutely. You know, what happens if, God forbid, one of my partners dies? What happens if one of them gets disabled? What if they can't work it anymore? Um, what if something happens in their family? They can't put the time in that's required. What kind of agreements do we have in place now that's going to cover us? And then let's look on the plus side. What happens if 15 years from now, Mike says, hey, this was fun. I'm going to do something else. What's, what's in place to figure out what the company is worth and how, how are we going to come about price at that point? I think those are conversations that that you've got to have really early on. If not, if you haven't had them going into the business, uh, you, I, I talk about you got to you got to cover yourself on the downside. But you also think about what happens if this is successful. What if this thing just goes off like nothing we've ever seen before? Um, we, and we've got to have some agreement in between with with partners about what that's going to look like and and what that might mean for one partner or another. What's the old saying? Uh, people never uh, plan to fail, or never. What, what is it? They, if, if don't, you don't if ever you plan fail, to fail, but if you don't, you, you, you if you fail to plan, then you are planning, planning to, to fail. fail. Thank right. you. There you go. So, so I mean, I, I you can never. I mean, I've seen uh, operating agreements between people that are. I'm holding up my fingers that show about three inches, um, that are thick, ninety, hundred pages. Maybe you don't need all of that. But you certainly need some kinds of agreements up front um, to figure out what's going to happen in the event certain things occur. All right, we've talked about a lot of things on the show. Again, Joe Moss, the president of uh, Embassy National Bank, also a board member, and he's uh, he's seen it all in his uh, his career in the in the banking industry. Uh, are there some points you want to leave people with? Leave our listeners with that. Hey, if there's if there's a couple things that I really want to leave you with, these are those those points. Yeah, um, there are. Um, there's several, one is, um, you know, do your business plan, do some really solid objective financial statements. 
get some advice from people around you that know you extremely well and know your strengths and also know your weaknesses. Um, if you're going into something and there's something you're really good at, focus on it. If there's something that you're not good at, admit it. If you're not good at the books, admit it. Find somebody to help you. Um, if you're if you're not good with technology, and by the way, everybody's in the technology business today. I don't care what anybody says. If you're in business, you're in the technology business. If you don't understand how technology can really set your business going, find someone that can help you. Right. So identify what you think your strengths are, and then objectively, either if it means talking to your wife, which is a real good source in terms of figuring out weaknesses, um, I'm laughing when I say that. Um, identify those and find out a way to cover them up. And then, um, and and at some point, I'm a man of great faith. You're just going to have to have faith. I mean, if it's something that you want to do, get it all lined up, pull the trigger, and go. Uh, check that bucket, that item off the bucket list, um, and you know you'll be amazed with with some of the intellectual freedom you'll enjoy. Um, some other things: um, be prepared to work whenever. Uh, don't think that you're going to go on vacation because now you own your own business. Um, when you own your own business and your family and your financial future is on the line, it, it owns you. You don't own it. And you have to acknowledge that and uh, do whatever it takes to make it successful. Um, try to have a little fun along the way. Get to know your customers. Laugh a little bit. Take a little time off, but, you know, I'm just not – don't disappear for two weeks in the Caribbean, but take some time off every once in a while and, and just try to have fun, loosen up, you know. Um, I'm a big fitness guy, so find time for exercise. Um, make sure you continue to find time for family and, and, and other things. Um, so it's going to consume you, and you need to let it in in some instances, but – there's also a line that you can cross. My wife always tells me that, Joe, you're OCD, you're OCD. Well, I keep telling her there's a certain amount of successfulness that requires OCD behavior. <laughs> so, yeah, get get obsessive about it uh, to a point. But let those people around you kind of guide you and tell you whether you they think you've crossed the line. Then one last thing that I've seen. As you get involved in it, and all of a sudden the money's coming in, success is coming in. Let me tell you something. When that dollar hits the cash register, you have to keep remembering that the dollar that hit that cash register or hits that bank account or wherever it hits, that dollar of revenue, 50% of that belongs to somebody else. It called the government. A lot of business owners think, I had revenue of 50 grand this month. I've got 40 grand in the checking account. Man, I'm in good shape. I'm going to go spend some money. Well, 50% of the 50 grand is belongs to the government. So take 25,000 off your 40. You really only have 15 left. It's a mistake. And, you know, we laugh. We're kind of snickering at each other, but it's a mistake that a lot of people make. So you got to get yourself with a good accountant. And, I was going to say, uh, that's where it pays to get a good tax account. And just listen to Send them the money. Let them send you a check when they feel like there's something there. And then uh, last but not least, your 941 taxes, 
uh, which is the taxes that you withhold from your employees. Um, don't mess with those. Please do not mess with those. If it means you go broke having to make your payroll tax payment, do it. That is one item that you can go to jail for if you maliciously and intentionally don't pay your 941 tax burden. So um, some things to think about. I, like Mike said, I don't want to discourage anybody from trying to fulfill a dream. Uh, I just would encourage everybody to be very careful um, uh, and, and plan accordingly. Try to be objective. Uh, and, you know, there was an old expression that uh, there was a book that came out by a couple of consultants about what makes businesses successful. And one of the underlying things was a concept called stick to your knitting. I don't know if you all remember that, but it basically means do what you're good at. You know, don't think that if you've been sitting in a job for 20 years and now you want to start a small business and you've been crunching numbers for somebody, don't automatically think that you're going to go be able to make pizza and make a good living. You know, stick with what you're good at. If you want to go start a business and you've been doing accounting, open up a bookkeeping service or something. That's the business you ought to be in. Study for your CPA. Build from there. Become a financial planner. But stick with what you're good at. Don't try to do something that you've not done before and end up putting you and your family and your your financial future at risk. And I'll add one last thing, Joe, and, and you mentioned it earlier. You, uh, you said be realistic and, and maybe don't be afraid to walk away if you're going into this thing and it's not working out and you need to walk away, have the courage. And, and I know it's going to be very tough to walk away because sometimes you learn from your failures. Yeah. And if you do, and a lot of times you've got money invested in your research. Because believe me, the, the Steve Jobs, the, the Bill Gates, they failed many, many times before they finally became successful. Well, I have I have failed several times. Um, you learn a lot. I think you learn more in failure than you do in success. I agree with that 100%. And um, so be careful. Don't scare yourself away from it, but just be careful. Joe. What's the old expression from the Hill City Blues? Uh, what was a, that old TV show? Hey, yeah, back in the 80s. Let, hey, let's be careful out there. Hey, you can say that everywhere. Be careful out there, That's man. That's how we should end the show, Joe. What do Absolutely. you say? Hey, be careful out there. Hey, let's be careful out there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for allowing Brandon and myself to, to get involved and really kind of pick your brain. Typically, you're picking the brain of your guests. Uh, today, we got to kind of turn the tables on you, so thank you for that opportunity. I, I learned a lot just by listening, and I know as a small business owner, Brandon helped you as well. It, it absolutely did, and, and Mike, I think Joe is enough of an expert. We need to have him back to the studio. <laughs> can you come back next week Joe? i think i'll be back how about next week at uh, three o'clock every wednesday at three o'clock it's a date okay <laughs> all right thanks everybody and thanks for tuning in to on the money this week sponsored by embassy national bank this is joe moss and i'm president at embassy national bank and i really hope you've learned something from today and uh we'll see you next week thank you, thank you.